It's another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead. We're going to talk about building a winning mutual fund portfolio. We've talked about ETFs. We've talked about stocks. Now we're going to talk about mutual funds. So is your investment style key to this, Ron? To kind of line up your philosophy on the world with the fund managers. And for example, if you're an ethical investor, well, a lot of fund managers don't necessarily have that kind of parameter in their stock picking. They may they may buy tobacco companies. They might buy tobacco yeah. or, or defense or alcohol. You know, I mean, yeah. 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 There's there's publicly listed companies in Europe that, frankly, if you want to align yourself with a, a lady of the night service, well, there's public, publicly traded companies that do that, and the list sort of goes on and on. And, you know, where you might not like companies that you think that they don't treat uh, minorities well, they're not equal opportunity employers. Maybe Environmental pollute, issues, whatever. Yeah, yeah the yeah. list goes on and on. So you want to make sure that you that you have the funds are really lined up with you as an investor. And maybe they trade too much or maybe they take too much risk. You want to look at all of that before, not after you invest, because frankly, you want the comfort level. And the reason why is because you don't need the comfort level when things are going up. You need the comfort level when things are going down so that you'll actually stay with those investments and not be spooked out of them, which is the classic mistake that people make and sell out at the bottom. Okay, let's talk about, do we look for a team with lots of experience? This must be a key here. When it comes to funds, it's a little higher criteria with funds and with an advisor because typically there's very few advisors that you're going to get into that have 15, 20, or 30 years. A lot of them have so many clients already, it's hard to, to be able to crack in. But with funds, these are people that, frankly, manage money, and they open it up for advisors to pool that money and put it in their fund. So when it comes to fund, my criteria is I like the portfolio manager to have 20 years plus experience. And generally, I find the more experience the guys have, the better they do, especially in bear markets where you're really trying to protect your capital. They know how to do that. Okay. And you, you want to look for, for funds that offer consistent returns, right? You don't want something that's in the tank all the time. You want something that's got some nice up spikes. You don't want a me too, me too portfolio manager who is under a lot of pressure to buy the same things that everybody else is buying. And you know, it's like the old analogy, if we get, if we sit in a boat and you sit on one side and I sit on the other, we're going to do just fine. But if everybody's piling into the same investments and often doing it when markets are high, then the boat will flip. And typically when you're buying high, the prices will come down. So you want someone who's not necessarily going to chase the crowds. They've got an independent view on the world, and they typically will be buying things that the crowds aren't looking at, things that are out of favor, things that have opportunities that no one sees right now. And because of that, you can get it at a good price. So you're looking for an independent thinker, and how you get that, frankly, is experience, experience, experience. Experience is gold if you're looking for a manager to look after your mutual funds. And we, we touched on this issue in a question from one of our listeners a couple of episodes back. If you have a company that's just been sold to another investment firm, 
or the company's having some, you know, the company's founder moves on, you want to have a little bit of caution there. Yeah. And where you get those consistent returns, like I was saying, you know, you look at the one, three, five, and 10-year returns. And generally, the funds that have these consistent returns are usually managed by the same people over long periods of time. So consistent long-term rates of return are often accompanied by managers who've had lots of experience and been around the block a few times. Take a look at their at, at their portfolio holdings. You want to see what exactly it is you're buying into, right? If you look at the website, and most companies that have mutual funds have a series of funds. You know, they have domestic funds, international funds, fixed income funds. They have funds with different payout structures. So they have, there's a lot of things to look at, but you can go and if you're looking at a fund at a company's website, they'll usually have a one-page snapshot. And in that snapshot, it'll give you an idea of, of what sectors they're in, how much concentration is in that sector. And they'll give you generally their top 10 or 20 holdings. So you can look and see how much actual exposure do they have to any one stock or any one sector. And Ron, I don't want to sound like we're beating a dead horse here, but this is this is a key component to mutual funds. You want to know what the fees you're going to be paying or facing might be. Yeah, and generally you want to try and keep your fees down to that 1% range if you can. Typically, if you're using an advisor, that advisor is going to have to get paid. I prefer not to use deferred sales charge where there's no fee to buy, and then there's a fee to sell, which tends to be in around the 4 to 6% range, and it declines over time. It really, I think there's better ways to buy funds. I would also not recommend buying funds where there's big trailer fees that go to management. Um, often, you see people owning funds that are paying fees of 3 sometimes 4%. And frankly, if you're paying 4%, 3%, 2.5% even, you have to look at the kind of returns that you've been getting. I mean, obviously, if you can find a manager that's generating 12 or 15 and he's, you're paying him 2, it's not so worrisome. But these days, for example, if you're looking at a bond fund, and bonds might be paying 2 to 3% right now, well, if you've got a bond fund with a fee of 2 and a quarter, it's not leaving a whole lot in it for you. So you've got to take a look at the fee, and you've especially got to look at the fee in relationship to the performance you're getting. That's really the critical part. You want to make sure that there's some money left after taxes and inflation for you. Yeah, because in that example you gave there, you're underwater, I would think, by the time you pay all the bills, right? Exactly. What's turnover ratio? You talk about checking the turnover ratio. I don't like funds, personally, that have a high turnover ratio. Turnover ratio means how many times they're, they're turning their money over in one year. And there's lots of funds these days where it might be 50 to 100 times they turn the entire portfolio over. And here again, you always got to put this in relationship to how much you, the investor, are getting. But anytime you've got a high turnover ratio, you're paying a lot more in taxes. You're paying a lot more in transaction fees. You're also, uh, typically, if you look at the bid and ask spread between what you buy a stock at and what you sell it at. Well, every time you buy, there's a gap in there that usually a middleman is getting that money. And so it doesn't seem like much, 
but often the fees that come about from turnover are often higher than the management fees. So uh, I found that I very seldom find mutual funds with extraordinarily high turnover ratios where at the end of the day, after all the expenses are paid out and all some of the hidden fees like the turnover ratio, there's much left in it for you. So here again, if you're looking for funds that have got a high turnover ratio, then be cautious. Just make sure your returns are high enough to pay for this. Okay, let's talk a little bit. Uh, how many mutual funds should I see if I have a diversified polio portfolio? Well, I think here again, most people are time constrained. You know, if you have 10 or 20 funds in a portfolio, the onus is on you to try and follow them. And with most people's really busy lives. Difficult to do. Yeah, generally it's not happening. So you buy them and you throw them in a corner and you neglect them. And then every couple of years you pull the stuff out, take a look at it. And you've got to be more on top of your investments if you want to get the types of returns that you need to retire. So. Keep it simple, stupid is really an important concept, probably more important than finance than almost anything. Okay, so simpler is better. Could you, can you give us an example? Let's, let's talk about is, is 20% in each of five funds a good way to go about doing this? Yeah, I think five funds for a lot of people is all you need to get diversified. You get a Canadian equity fund, a U.S. equity fund, a foreign equity fund, and then get two funds that uh, give you exposure to Canadian fixed income and give you exposure to international or foreign fixed income. That would mean you've got in this example, and of course you can move these numbers around depending on how much risk tolerance you want, but that would give you a 60% weighting in stocks and a 40% weighting in fixed income, and it would give you a 60 or about a 40% weighting in Canadian investments and about a 60% weighting in foreign investments. Okay, and you've got five examples that you just want to throw out there. And again, these are just examples. We're trying to give you a model that might be something that you consider. You want to talk to your individual uh, investment advisor about this, but here are five that Ron would say that might be a way to start out. Yeah, it's certainly uh, an idea of how you go about this because for most people, the stumbling block is just getting started. So. You know, in past shows, we've given examples on stocks, a 12 stock portfolio. This is just a basic portfolio. You'll make adjustments to fit your own particular needs, maybe have different stocks. I mean, if you, you substitute one stock for another, you know, you, you happen to like TransCanada better than Enbridge, or you like TELUS better than BCE, or vice versa. Frankly, this is just to give you an overview of, of how it is done, and that's what the example is here, because it we're trying to show you that this is not that difficult to set these up on your own. Okay, so we're starting with the PIMCO Monthly Income Fund. Yes, that is an international fixed income fund. Uh, PIMCO has been around for years, and frankly, you take a look at their fixed income returns, and they're always or very close to top quartile numbers. So these guys have consistently been able to put the money uh, to pork and get good risk-adjusted returns. For example, in Europe, when Europe was going through a mortgage crisis back in 2007, 8, 9, and 10, well, you know, you and I, it would be wonderful if we could fly to Europe and 
go and look at these pools of mortgages and determine whether the value of the mortgage was less than the, all the properties in that portfolio, so we're buying it at a discount. Well, you and I don't have the ability to do something like that, whereas because PIMCO is international, they can take a group of analysts, fly over to Europe, maybe look at a mortgage pool that has a 1,000 mortgages in it, and go and physically evaluate the properties that are underneath that. So they're able to go a lot of places and do many things that, frankly, the individual investor is just impossible for. So uh, that kind of exposure and expertise, um, you're paying up a little bit for, but over the long term, the returns have been more than worth it. What about, is it Lysander Canso Corporate Value Bond Fund? They're a good example of a fund that is focused on buying undervalued, mostly Canadian bonds. And so uh, they've, had, uh, they've got a very, very good track record. They've got management that's been around for a long time. They put up good quality returns over the longer term. And so this is just an example of that sector. Their fees are reasonable, and they've been able to put up numbers that are very, very consistent over the long term. Fidelity, there's a company that uh, I think a lot of people know the name. They've been around for a long time. They're Canadian Large Cap Fund. You know, if you want exposure in Canada, you can get it through a company like this. They tend to buy the big names, you know. They buy companies like the big Canadian banks, the big Canadian telcos. The, the railways, big, yeah. Yeah, the railways, all the big guys, which <clears throat> tend to be more conservative because our economy is naturally skewed to resources and banks. And if you just buy an index, you know, I think 40% of the index is financials and about 30% is commodities. So you're not getting a lot of diversification. Whereas a company like this can diversify you and they've had very consistent returns. And one thing about Fidelity is they've always had great fund managers. Vanguard Global Dividend Fund. So you're looking for global equity here? Yes, this is a global equity fund. And what it has as its focus is they look at companies that grow their dividend year after year. And I know we sound like a broken record, but if you look at the some of the numbers we put up in the earlier shows, where if you're looking for sort of the holy grail of investment, if you call it that, and you're looking for higher returns, cash flow, and lower risk. Companies that increase their dividend regularly and pay a dividend are the sweet spot to be in in the investment universe. Okay, final one is the Vanguard U.S. Windsor Value Fund. Now, this is for U.S. equity then. Yeah, this is a U.S. equity fund, and Windsor has been around from... I think way back in the, the 60s and 70s. So this is a fund that has a very long history. Um, it's had some phenomenal managers over the years, and it's had a consistent philosophy over five, six decades that I've known about them that they're looking for high-quality companies they can buy at reasonable prices. So it's not just picking a good company, because you can pick a good company and it can, it can drop and stay down for years. You want to pick a good company where you're buying it at a price where there's still some upside in it left for you. Not all the future upside is reflected in the price. So the Vanguard U.S. Windsor Value Fund is a good way to get that. 
and they've had very consistent management over a very long period of time. So depending on somebody's investment strategy and their outlook, Ron, I know that over the years, and we've talked about this, a lot of people historically have held mutual funds. That's what they've had their investments in. So what's the long-term strategy if you're going to use mutuals? Well, I think if you're in the investment phase of your life, what you want to do is just get yourself set up so that you're doing them monthly. And then at the end of the year, take a look at all these funds. And in this case, you've got five funds. I recommended 20% in each. Take a look at the percentage of your total portfolio of each one of these funds. And if the fund values drop from 20% down to 18, top that up and take some of the funds that have gone up, sell them off. So essentially what you're doing is, is taking funds that have outperformed, taking a little bit off and putting into ones that have underperformed. In other words, you're selling high and buying low. And you can also do that on if you have a bonus or something like that that you get at Christmas time or maybe you've got a performance bonus that's come in for you or a long lost relative has left <laughs> you some money. Uh, take a look at that and then if you're going to invest, take a look at these five funds and put the amount of money into each that you need to balance it out so that they all get back to 20%. Okay, so there's some strategies on mutual funds. We've covered stocks, ETFs, mutual funds. Hopefully, we've got you along the road on which you wish to operate. We did mention that we like to answer questions from our uh, from our listeners. You can reach us through the cfcw.com website, and you can also email uh, Making Money, and that'll get directed uh, right to your inbox. Correct? Absolutely, Making Money at cfcw.com. And it goes right to me, and we try to answer as many of your questions as we can. This one's a big one. Uh, this comes from John. Is Can Canada's economy go into a recession? To put this in a nutshell, can Canada's economy go into a recession without the U.S. being in a recession? Well, it's like a, I guess they call it those blood moons, where every once in a while you get a moon that's full and it's red. Yeah. Well... It can happen, and I think the last time that Canada went into recession without the U.S. going into recession was, I believe it was 63 years ago. And since that time, the U.S. and Canadian economies have gotten a lot more economically integrated. 75% of our production export that's, that's earmarked for, for exporting, it goes down south. So we are very economically tied to the U.S. So generally, if the U.S. goes into a recession, we're going to. I can never remember a time, maybe there has been one in the last hundred years, but I don't remember a time where the Canadian economy, uh, if the U.S. economy went into recession, that we didn't go as well. And vice versa, because we're a small player, every once in a while, you'll get the Canadian economy going into recession and the U.S. doesn't. Last time it happened was 63 years ago. Long time. But it can happen. How do you protect yourself? Well, actually quite simple. Uh, you inter put some international exposure into your portfolio or you buy companies that have big exposure to the United States. Uh, our Canadian banks, Bank of Montreal, Royal Bank, and uh, certainly TD have big exposure south of the border. Fortis and some of the other Canadian utilities like Amera, some of the big pipelines like TransCanada Pipe and Enbridge, they're huge south of the border. In fact, many of them now have bigger operations south of the border than they do in Canada. And so 
even if you have Canadian companies, you can isolate yourself if we have a Canadian recession by buying companies that have exposure elsewhere. And it's not that hard to do. Pretty good run here now since, uh, what, 09, right? Uh, We've had a very good run since 09. Yeah, and there are people, you know, I, I heard something just the other day that, you know, some of the indicators are maybe not pointing in the most optimistic directions, even with the U.S. market, the durable goods numbers were down a little bit. So should we be concerned here? What do you think? Well, I think that what you want to do on an ongoing basis is you always want to have some cash around. So if you have cash around, you can take advantage of the opportunity. Also, if you tend to have a more diversified portfolio, if Canada does go into recession, and it certainly could without the U.S., that other areas that are growing, even Canadian companies that are exposed to other areas, if the U.S. doesn't grow into, go into recession, that Canadian company is probably going to do better than a counterpart that has all its operations here in Canada. So, you know, I think that you want to plan for the long term and not just what happens if, if something extraordinary happens that hasn't quite been built into the markets. I mean, if you were to sit down and plan for every contingency, <laughs> yeah. frankly, you would never invest in anything. So you want to try and invest the portfolio where you've got upside, but you have some limit on, on your downside. And investing internationally, uh, buying companies that, that are Canadian that have foreign exposure is probably not a bad way uh, to mitigate some of the risk. So there you go. Hopefully that uh, cleared up some of the uh, gray area for you. John, again, if you have a question, we'd be happy to try and answer it for you. You can send it directly to Ron through uh, makingmoney at cfcw.com, and we will be happy to address those. Uh, we thank you for listening. Ron Hebert is the financial coach, re financial coach, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, former broadcaster. We'll join you again on another edition of Making Money coming up soon. Thanks for listening. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.